So you guys won't believe. Maybe you will believe. Uh, this is my third time trying to intro this podcast. Uh, but today we are joined uh, by my brother, Skip. Um, and since Skip is more guest than co-host on this episode, I feel like there's got to be at least a little bit of an intro. Uh, so I know Skip from the Comics Are Dope community uh, on Discord they decided to call themselves the Dope Fiends. But uh, I found out just through conversation that I've known Skip from the time I got into comics just as a spectator because I was reading House of X Powers of 10 every week. And every week when that event or that series was coming out, I was going on YouTube just making sure that I was digesting what I read correctly. Um, and so I would hear Skip giving his opinions every week on House of X on YouTube. So that was cool. Now, I don't know how Skip found the channel and maybe that's something he'll have to talk about. Um, but I noticed like, you know, Skip would comment and especially once the discord got started up, he'd jump in, he'd be giving recommendations. He's like spearheading the, uh, the, the book club. He's boosting the server. I don't know what this term even means to this day. Um, but Skip has always been like the big brother that I'd ever had in the hobby who's like, Hey, read this book, check out this writer, check out this artist, expand your taste buds a little bit, young blood. Uh, and so I've always appreciated the guidance. And today we're having a, a really interesting conversation about indie comics and why skip loves them so much. Um, but now that I've introduced him, welcome back to the show, my man, skip and Tosh. Yo, it's good to be back. You gave me that. Uh, that was a real intro. I felt like I might have needed like some some intros music uh, to go along with that, like some wrestling joints. Like, we know whose music that is. Oh no! You know? Right, <laughs> right. That was um, great. I appreciate you, but no, nah, it, uh, it all means a lot to me. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, man. Comics just just found a special place in my life and my heart and um, anyone that's come across me on, online, you know, and took something positive away from it. That's, that's as much as I could, I could ask for, but I'll, I'll take converts too. I'm trying to convert people. <laughs> word, word. Yeah, man. It's, um, it's fun. Like you, you don't, you don't meet a lot of like kindred spirits in the real world all the time. Right. You might meet somebody that you connect with on like a faith level um, and so on. But it's rare that you meet someone in a hobby and you also sort of align in all these other ways. So it's been really cool to get to know you over these last couple of years. Um, Likewise, man. Appreciate you. Thanks, man. I appreciate it too. Um, but we're going to get right into it. Cause my man, my man, skip, he, he's got places to be. I got um, beams to light. So let's get to beams it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, I'm just hoping we get to meet up in the second round. I don't know what, what LeBron's doing right now, yeah, splitting keep... the series in Sacramento with without the best players on the team, like that's crazy. I don't know, man. Or Memphis, excuse me. Memphis, yeah. Keep hoping, keep hoping, keep hope alive, kicks. Keep hope alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I, I don't. I don't remember LeBron losing a first round series in quite some time. I don't. I would imagine he won't start now. But hey, we'll see. But um, anyway, uh, so we're talking today about indie comics, why Skip loves them so much, what Skip's recommendations are, um, and what he finds in them. Um, you guys know when I'm reading comics, 
I'm typically reading superhero books um, because it's nostalgia. They're characters I'm familiar with from childhood, even like the licensed properties. Like one of my favorite books right now is Darkwing Duck, which I guess is technically an indie book. But, um, you know, Skip really enjoys like the the non big two um, and some big two stuff as well. But he's always putting me on to some lesser known series, some series that's critically acclaimed, but may not have like the commercial draw um, of other things. And for me, it is, his, his taste is more eclectic. It's more of a diverse palette. And so now that I'm starting to try to venture out, I feel like I've seen some of the same tried and true tropes. I'm like, all right, if I'm gonna keep picking up these books every week, it's gotta be something a little bit more interesting and who better to have a conversation about that with than skip. So, I'm going to try to guide and focus this conversation as much as the two of us can be focused. Right. We'll, we'll do our um, best. We'll do our best. We'll do our best. Um, but I'm really curious to know, like, what got you into indies? When did you get into indies? Was it always something that you were kind of like curious about? Or was there a point where you got maybe like fed up with big two stuff and was like, oh, let's try this out for a change? Um, you know, it's it, it, there's it's like a two segment question so mm -hmm. I, I came along reading comics in the late 80s early 90s and you know I just so happened to be reading comics when um, image became a thing so image mm -hmm. boomed so I think indies for me feel a little bit more at home only because the the image boom was so big with Spawn and you know Shadowhawk and of course Wildcats and you know all all of all of those different type of Cyberforce and all of those mm -hmm. you know different titles that were coming out that um and, and they were they were equal quality at least as far as visual aesthetic and at mm -hmm. that time when I was younger I definitely didn't have as many of the my 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 palate and my knowledge for what's good writing what's not you know wasn't i didn't have quite that awareness things either resonated with me more or they didn't so mm. yeah man like it was like i was into spawn i was into all that stuff i would pick up those comics right with x-men and everything else and then um you know as i got out of comics around 2000 2000 2001 and then got back into comics around 2012, 2011, mm -hmm. 2012. Uh, I was uh, I got back more into the the cape stuff, and that stuff was 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 good. But I remember going to LCSs, and I would see these books that I hadn't heard of, and with these color palettes and this line art leaping off the leaping off the page, and I I was just like, whoa, what's that? And I think again going back to like going back to being raised with indies, you know, especially image comics, I was like, Oh yeah, what's this? And then I look down and I see that I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. Image. Like I kind of forgot about image comics. Like, and I just grabbed them. I didn't think nothing about it. Cause I was familiar with it. And um, man, within the year image was my favorite comics publisher. Word word. So you got into image basically early 2010s. Or 
So, uh, so or, initially, it would have been it would have been around the time that they came out. So I would say around mm. ninety two, ninety three. I was into them okay. heavy by ninety four for sure. Got you. So um, that's interesting because obviously, early image is still very much like capes. It's capes with an edge, but it's mostly superhero comics. And by the time you come to the you know twenty tens. That's pretty much not what image is, right? The right. the Walking Dead's a thing, Invincible's a thing. Um but as far as I understand, because I wasn't necessarily there, image had sort of become more of what it is now, where image is it's almost like a boutique or or like a buffet. Like there's a little bit of everything at image. Um and even as of late, there's not a ton of superhero stuff. There's spawn uh, Savage Dragon comes out whenever it wants to. Um, I guess the biggest thing we've got as far as superheroes from Image is the Massive Verse, which started about two years ago. Um, so, what was it about Image in that time period that really got you hooked? Because to me, those are like two different companies: Image in the '90s and Image then. Um, I would say in the '90s, it was definitely the art because that's what you know the original six seven you know Will Spartacio mm -hmm. and Jim Lee and Tom McFarlane and Jim uh, Jim Valentino and Eric Larson and I don't want to forget a Mark Silvestri. Silvestri yeah you know um dang I still feel like I'm forgetting some but that's everybody oh of course of course can't forget the the the, the live wire the, the the crazy one himself uh uh, uh, Lifefield, Rob Lifefield. So, um, you know, so known for the visual aesthetic, uh, I'm big into visual aesthetic. I'm a kid. It's a visual medium. Boom. Give me the muscles. Give me the guns. Give me the swords or, you know, the, the sharp edges. Um, but, but so, but the, here's the interesting thing. So it, you know, the visual aesthetic is the big draw of image in the nineties. Mm. Um, aside right. from, you know, the speculator boom that was going on. We don't need to talk about that. That's, that's a whole other <laughs> That's a whole other right. issue. That's all that episode. But um, but then when I as I come back into it, notice I said I look I was at the LCS and I looked and I saw all these color palettes and all this line art popping off the page. So it was still the art that attracted me to it initially, you know. Um, like this I did see that the stories weren't cape stories and and I and I think there was an attraction there. I'm I'm a child of the you know, late eighties, early nineties. So B movies was a very normal thing for me. These these mm -hmm. wacky, weird, off the beaten path type stories, you know, that aren't as popular, but people still have right. enough passion to produce and release, you know, via VHS or whatever. Um, so I was already open to the idea of the stories. The imprint itself, the image eye, burned its place in my brain when I was younger. Uh, right. And then again, now it's a, so for before they had more, I don't want to say they had more of a house style. They broke away from the house style, but their aesthetic became the style. So to me, I think like, oh, image was that was the style in the nineties. But now right. as I'm looking, they have more of a different style. They stand out from the big two art in a different way, this time via uniqueness and variety. Yeah. So really, man, it started with the art when I was younger. And what brought me back around to him when I got older, when I was in my, you know, uh, mid twenties was dark. Got you. Got but what kept me there is another story. We'll get there. I'm sure. Okay. Okay. So, um, the art got you now 
it, so it sounds like it's not so much you're trying to break away from big two stuff. It was just that the image stuff was just attractive to you. Is that, am I right there? Yeah, it was just a natural attraction. Um, like when it first started, I, I wasn't looking to necessarily break away from capes. Um, mm -hmm. Now, oddly enough, it was right around that time where I kind of hit a little bit of the wall, if you will, or the realization um, of the comic cycle, especially the Capes comic cycle. Mm -hmm. After you, after you cycle for about three years, um, sure as day, like you said, the stories are going to get a little more repetitive and, and, and the mm -hmm. beats are going to get a little more repetitive and they're going to, they're going to give this to the character. Then they're going to take that away from the character. Then they're going to give it back to the character, you know, and like the way that comics cycle now, um, sure enough, as the, the post that we had in, in our discord about Ron Ma, uh, you know, it was um, initially it was Doc Shaner talking about mm -hmm. he had a little bit of a fatigue and then Ron Mars replies and talks about how the comic cycles used to be longer and the, mm -hmm. the audience used to be younger. And now the comic cycles are quicker and the audience is older and got more disposable income. I just started seeing those signs, man. And, and again, even at the time I didn't, I don't want to say I grew a disdain, but I just, I'm, I'm a pattern recognition person and I keyed in on that mm -hmm. pattern. And naturally it just started to not be as interesting to me. These, these, these capes books at the time. Got you. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I, I won't say I'm there, but I'm at the point right now where it's like, okay, we, we, we're coming on like the third cycle, right? Um, what got me into X-Men was the House of X and like the beginning of the whole Krakoa era. I'm here on my third X-Men event and I'm like, all right, this is, uh, this isn't doing it for me. I know that in the last issue, there will be some world changing thing that I'll need to pay attention to, but I'm not enjoying the ride necessarily. Um, and, you know, pick a character. We can we can kind of point out issues with each each one if we need to. But it's not really a need. This isn't like to to bash anything. But like you said, there are patterns. And I'm starting to recognize those patterns. Um, and that's what's kind of got me hungry for some different things. I guess the, the, the difference is um, superheroes are my comfort zone, you know, mainstream big two superheroes specifically. Um, but you said that the art got you there, but other things kept you there. What are those other things? Um, the other things, and I don't want to say it wasn't the art because there's still plenty of good art to go around. Um, on the mm -hmm. indie scene, be it image or boom or whoever. But the, um, the thing that kept me there was the, was the stories and the mm -hmm. voices, you know, e even still to this day. Um, and I feel like as it should be to a degree, you know, the big two, they have their brands and within the brand, um, you know, a, a part of the brand identity or a part of what allows humans to, key in on a brand's identity is consistency. And that could be mm -hmm. art styles. It could be stories. It could be, you know, uh, team ups. It could be, uh, you know, event cycles, whatever, um, you know, but within that it, it does dull some uniqueness, you know, mm -hmm. and um, these days just due to the nature of the comics industry, a lot of creators are more keen on sharing their more passionate, unique ideas 
in a space where they can also maintain the rights to the characters and the rights to the stories and, you know, and reap the benefits mm-hmm. of those things. Um, so what I noticed just over time, you know, was, okay, hey, there's more unique voices here. Um, they can take risks and do things their way and, and, and not always have to worry about the monthly cycle and the uh, even the ongoing comics cycle, which, uh, you know, I think there's a beauty to ongoing comics, but I found the beauty in stories that have endings and that have darn good ones. So, you know, just within all of that, the uh, the uniqueness, the voices, the variety, um, the different genres that I can get into. I like to I like to hold a space for comics and, and respect to comics and not always be like, oh, well, TV's better or movies better. But I, I did mm-hmm. relate it to um, how the variety that I had with like indie movies and and and, mm-hmm. and 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 movies, you know, as a whole. So that's that's really what I picked up on indies is just that people were more unique there, and they more often than not they seem to be putting their best foot forward artistically, um, as far as visually and storytelling on the indie side. Yeah. And I I think a lot of that has to do with just the model of indie comics, right? Because most indie comics that we consume are creator owned, meaning the creators got skin in the game. If the comic doesn't sell well, you know, not only do they may maybe not get to complete their story, but they might lose money. Right. And so, you know, you're putting your best foot forward just like you would at your job because you don't want to get fired. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Straight up. but so, yeah, I've I've noticed that as well, um, whereas a lot of times with, you know, big two superheroes, it's a licensed property. Uh, a lot of times the story is dictated to you like they call you because you can write a certain type of story and they may even have an ending in mind. Um, you know, I've I've gotten the 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 pleasure of interviewing a few creators and there's a lot of times where. They're like, well, yeah, DC told me I had to end it like this. And they're just asking me, okay, how are we going to get to to point B? Um, and, you know, on the other side of that, when we have conversations about indie comics, I'm like, oh, how this idea come about? And it's like, yeah, um, well, you know, I just thought, wouldn't it be cool if such and such? And then I called my homie uh, that draws and he's like, oh, yeah, I could do that. And we had this great back and forth and blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's such a different creation process um and it seems like i believe to a degree all comics are a labor of love but indie comics seem to be more so a labor of of love and i think it shows in the final product for sure yeah man big time um you know it's felt and um you feel the effort you feel the inspiration um like you said that you know they they they're they're putting a lot on the line, you know, to, mm. to, to make those books, you know, with no guarantees outside of whatever is contracted, whatever they agree, agree to within an agreement, you know, they're outside of that. They don't know how it's, how it's going to go, you know, and, you know, truth be told, I'm sure there's some that have regretted the time and be like, man, I, I probably should have just taken that, that Marvel, you know, that Marvel project that had a better page rate. Cause I only got to, you know, issue four with this. I would at least probably gotten to a second trade with the other one, you know? So all those right. things are there. And, um, and when, and when they execute well, and, and it is up to that part, that's why I go the extra mile to, su- to support those creators. You know, I, like if I want more of what they do, then it's, is I gotta, it's a, to a certain degree, it's on me to support that and, you know, to, and ensure that I get more of it, you know, to the best of my ability. For sure. For sure. 
Um, one thing I'll say though, um, with, with superheroes, I kind of know what I'm getting, right? When I'm looking at the indie section in the store, uh, it's very much like standing in the middle of a blockbuster in the nineties. And it's just like, I, I don't know, like maybe I'm in the mood for a comedy and then it's just like, okay, I'm just going to read the back of all these DVDs until I find one that sounds all right, cool. This is, this will be my entertainment for the evening. Um, how do you go about choosing what series you're going to read when there is so much variety? That's a good question. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to answer that and then I'm going to give a little, a little cheat code for, for, for okay. people to make it easier than, than I found out. So for me, it, it was definitely a journey. Um, of uh, like, honestly, I, I would just be bold and things I would just like have to trust myself and my instincts. You know, I asked myself, OK, well, what do I like? You know, uh, OK, well, I like um, stories that have like unconventional endings or not the typical ending. Um, OK, so that's a easy that's an easier sell for me. So I read the premise and then I look at the art and I try to read like a few pages of the dialogue just to see, you know, how smooth it is. That's kind of really where I started um, from there. I stuck with the. Um, Outside of capes, I just thought of entertainment as a whole, and I stuck with the types of stories and the genres that I liked. I like noir mm. type stories. I like stories like uh, L.A. Confidential, and um, you know, just like just just like noir type stuff, old stuff. You know, with the with the femme fatale, and you know, and then mm. the man of action. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm into that type of stuff. I know I like uh, comedy. You know, so okay, uh, you know, I can get comedic books, books that, and those ones you really got to read to see, you know, how how, how yeah. it flows. Um, and then, um, you know, I knew I like science fiction, so it was just just different stuff like that. And then uh, over time, you know, I learned to trust my voice, and and you know, uh, but all that to say that that took me a little while. But what I came to found out, and what became a cheat code, is actually just from the Capes comics. If I read a Capes comic and I really like the series and I'm like, oh, you know, I like this story. I wonder if this writer has any indie work out. And then you mm -hmm. could just look for their indie work. Because if you already like their voice that they're telling in the big two, it's not a guarantee that you'll like their indie stuff. But chances are you'll probably yeah. be fairly into it. Um, and then the same thing with artists. Like, oh, this artist is really cool. I wonder, like, what they did before... They got this. Oh, they did a book on boom. Let me go check that out. So that was that was that's the cheat code that I found. Got you. Got you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I used the blockbuster analogy when Netflix was right there. Like, cause we've all sat there just scrolling on Netflix for hours. Oh yeah. It's like, oh, this this genre seems cool. I'll look at that, and then you just end up picking nothing. Um, or you settle for the same thing, you know, I guess I'll watch the big bang theory again. <laughs> right. Right. Um, well, yeah, but no, that's, that's a fire cheat code. Cause it's true. Like I've, I'd find that if I like a writer, I'm more willing to give their book a shot. Um, the, the one example that I can think of with that is Tom Taylor, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I got into DC comics reading deceased, mm -hmm. um, and so when Seven Secrets came out, the shop owner's like, yo, you read Tom Taylor, you should probably pick this up. I picked it up, loved it. Um, and you know, so that that's a thing. Um, but I think now it's a little bit easier also because all the comics creators are on social media, they're all hobnobbing with each other. So it's like if you like one, you can kind of see who they're like buddy buddy with yep. on Instagram or, or Twitter or whatever. 
check out some of their stuff too. Um, I guess the risk you run is just your collection sort of being homogenized, like everything sort of being the same. Um, and I think that's where you gotta be kind of like skip and just, you know, trust your instincts, just go out, just grab stuff sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, man. So what I will ask, what are some of those series that really stuck out to you as you were kind of venturing into these non big two books? What were the things that, that resonated with you? Oh man. Uh, there was uh, Paper Girls. Uh, that mm-hmm. was that had just gotten collected um, around the time I was getting like back in the image. So Paper Girls, Tokyo. Uh, by, that was by Brian K. Vaughn, um, mm-hmm. Rick Remender's Tokyo Ghost. I like cyberpunk. I like you know um, Asian culture and stuff. I did martial arts for years, so all that stuff was right up my alley. And it was noir, awesome art. Sean Gordon Murphy, um, man, uh, of course, East of West, East of West Mm -hmm. had been going for a few years at that point. And uh, that's my favorite comic series of all Mm -hmm. time. So that was a big one that kept me into it. And then, uh, from there, yeah, just, just went around. Like, I'm like, okay, I like this Rick Remender guy. Okay. So I'll check out black science and I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I like this Jonathan Hickman guy. So I check out black Monday murders, you know, when that comes mm-hmm. out and, um, it just kind of, kind of went from there. And like, once I started going down that route, then I was just open for anything. And another big thing that I would do, um, cause I'd set my comic budget. And then if I had any money left over, you know, I'm thinking about supporting the comic shop. So I'll just go whatever shop I was in. I'll go to the owner. I'll be like, hey, what are what are the top books that you're reading right now on the indie side of things? And um, mm-hmm. so, sometimes I would say indie. Sometimes I wouldn't. But more often than not, I would say indie. And then they would be like, oh, OK, you know, have you have you seen this book is, you know, out by Mad Cave or, hey, have you seen, you know, this title is coming through Dark Horse. And then that started opening me up to the other different indie publishers as well. And then I start to find out like as a publisher who tends to, um, you know, make stories that, that I, I orbit around, I gravitate towards. Got you. Got you. Um, okay. I'm surprised. I'm surprised criminal didn't make this, this list. Um, (laughs) I mean, criminal was up there, but uh, truth be told, like criminal, I, you know, it's weird because I started with criminal 2019 Mm. Um, and yeah, it is up there. You know, it's so funny. It's just like, I, th- I think it, it's just such a staple to me, but, but the right. thing was criminal. Like I, I, I read the 2019 one and then it was over and then I went back and I binged like all the, all the old ones and like really gotcha. started digging, digging into it. So criminal criminal was one that, uh, that stuck out, but I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I burned through it so fast. Like mm. I got more out of it when I was done with what was current then, mm-hmm. then like the back issues and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, Ed Brubaker is, if not the best writer in comics, one of the best writers in comics. So yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, I read Ed Brubaker's Captain America, at least the first volume, um, mm-hmm. fairly early in my comics journey, mm-hmm. um, collected the criminal stuff, but never really read it. I got into, uh, Brubaker through reckless, because yeah. Skip relentlessly was like, hey, you need to read Reckless, like buy Reckless, read Reckless. And so I grabbed a couple of volumes and it's funny because it, it, it hit a it hit a nerve that I didn't really 
know or realize I had, but, uh, reckless is, is it's like, I don't know. It, it, it reminds me of like being at like my great aunt's house. She doesn't have cable. So we're watching like Magnum PI or Knight Rider or Matlock or, or any of those things like that where you got the one guy who's going to solve the mystery but he's going to get beat up a little bit walker texas ranger all of those is what reckless sort of reminds me of even though it's not the same thing um and then i'm like oh snap i like i like these little private investigator dramas and it's funny we're getting something similar to that with uh rom v's detective comics right now with jim gordon but um yeah so it's funny how like you you read something like to your point and you're like, oh, wait, I like this. Let me go find more of this and find more of these uh, private eye noir type books. Um, so, OK, so those are books that resonated with you, that stood out to you. Um, one thing that I, I feel like I really want to touch on is just sort of the the heart of these indie books. Um, so there's a lot of series that you've championed over, you know, the last couple of years. What are some recommendations that you have for people? Um, I know, like I've heard you speak of the many deaths of Layla star. Um, we all read, uh, four kids walk into a bank together. Um, but I, I'm curious to get like, you know, some more skips, like, uh, let's call it a top five. Top five, top five. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely put the mini deaths of Layla star on there. As you were talking about it, I look over and I have like two of the trades like okay. to my right. Um, I would say East of West, uh, j- just due to where television is right now and ensemble cast uh, between mm-hmm. the art and the writing uh, and the plot and, and how it concludes just a, a, a fantastic series to take yourself through. Um, I will, it's hard not to mention, uh, an Ed Brubaker book. I'll go with the fade out. That's my favorite Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips series. Okay. Um, that one's a really good one. Uh, East of West, I talked a little bit about how it was, uh, like an ensemble cast. It's like half Western, half cyberpunk story. And it deals mm-hmm. with the four horsemen of the apocalypse. They came back for um, to start the apocalypse, but one horseman betrays the other three. And the reason mm-hmm. is like the perfect reason. And the fallout is deliciously messy. Um, <sighs> the many deaths of Layla Starr is about um, the goddess of death being demoted because a child will come up with the key to immortality. Since she's demoted, she's cast down into a human body, and she has to now learn about the importance of life. But she's mortal, so she dies. So she learns about it through death. So gotcha. that's that's a bit, a bit very fantastic premise, beautiful story. Um, I said the fade out. The fade out is about a writer um, in old uh, Tinseltown, Hollywood, who um, wakes up after you know another one of those. Uh, Tinseltown parties and the the new starlet for the studio that he writes for is dead and he doesn't mm-hmm. know how she died and he's the only person that he woke that was that was in the room and he doesn't even know if he killed her and he's trying to find out for the sake of himself and for her because he actually he worked with her he actually really respected her and stuff like that so that story is super interesting 
Um, the other two, I'm going to say Murder Falcon by Daniel Warren Johnson, just because um, if you're listening to this, you have a heart. And mm. if you read that, you're not going to be able to stop Daniel Warren Johnson from touching it. It's about a musician who we find out went through something traumatic. I won't say what it is, but all you know mm -hmm. at this point is he's broken, broken up with his bandmates and he's distant and he, he lacks harmony in his life. Uh, and he's in the middle of the city and there's just some crazy weird Kaiju beast attack. And within the attack, here comes this, uh, this creature and starts to fight the monster and tells, tells the, uh, the, the lead character like, Hey, you you got to grab that guitar. You got to play. Me, I'm powered by music. So he has to get over his, you know, his trauma and his fear in the moment and begin to play music again in order to save his world. And uh, it gets a lot deeper than that because it's Daniel Warren Johnson. Um, lastly, hmm. Man, which one I could throw? You know what? Yeah, I'll throw a really good... I'll, I'll, throw, a, I'll throw a lighthearted, funny one at y'all. I'll do the... The Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton. Uh, if you haven't heard of this comic before, it is one of the funniest comics you, you will have ever read. And to the point that Kick said earlier, if you grew up watching uh, the old um, TV serials like Kung Fu or Walker, Texas Ranger, like Kick's mentioned, mm -hmm. and you ever heard about some of those stars having like a really bad ego and being hard to work with, mm -hmm. <laughs> this is a story about that tough SOB being hard to work with but him getting killed and his old sidekicks from all his old shows start coming together and they start to try to unravel the mystery of who might have who might have killed trigger keaton and it's wow. full-on comedy wow mm -hmm. that's funny yeah that's crazy um as you're talking it's funny i'm, I'm trying hard not to retread old ground, right? There's we had a, a conversation in issue two of the podcast. We were talking about like what makes a comic good, um, and I'm hearing some of those themes over again, right? Like we we both love a comic with a lot of heart, right? It makes us feel something when we're done reading it. Um, and so a lot of those those recommendations, I'm, I'm hearing that in your recommendations, um, but it, it just this world of indie comics that I'm slowly being opened up to, I I'm realizing it's, it's the difference between a comic book hobby and like being a comic book enthusiast or connoisseur. Like that's, that's the difference. Like I'll take my wine with dinner, you know, or, Hey, I love this one because it's got the grapes from this region. I can taste the wood <laughs> yeah. in the barrel. And it's like, yo, what? I don't know what you're talking about, but sure, I'll try it. <laughs> right. That, you're, wide, you're, you're broadening your palate. You're talking about your right. palate, man. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, so that, that's, um, it, while it can feel intimidating at times, um, and I don't know that this conversation really made that less so, it does make me more excited to jump in to explore especially as again we're on this backdrop where capes comics are it's not that so much that they're played but it's like you start to see starting to see the wires a little bit you know you're starting to see how the sausage is made um and you can get jaded with it um but for me 
with comics as like as my entertainment drug of choice. It's just it's been fun to find different series that uh, scratch a different type of itch. Um, so I guess I'll recommend some of my favorite indies that I've read so far. Um, always got to go back and look at the shelf, right? So Firepower by Robert Kirkman. It's it's a kung fu book. I always I always uh uh compare it to like Avatar the Last Airbender. Mm. Even though I've never watched Avatar the Last Airbender, uh I've seen like a couple episodes and that's what it reminds me of. Mm-hmm. Um but it's cool. It's this kid who was adopted and he's on this quest to find his birth parents he, who he knows were kung fu masters of some sort. He gets trained by like every kung fu master ever on this quest to eventually find his parents or find out more about himself. And uh boy, does he find out a lot more than maybe he wanted to find out. Um He stumbles on this uh this this temple of these guys trying to perfect the firepower, this ancient art. Um which is basically fire bending from Avatar, right? And maybe that's where I keep drawing this comparison. Um and you know, he's that he's that the sort of trope guy, like the guy who's just naturally gifted at everything, like comes in and is just he he's he's Michael J. Fox and Teen Wolf, like <laughs> you know, he he's he's untouchable. He's the chosen one. Um but, you know, that life takes him down a path he doesn't necessarily enjoy. Uh, he tries to settle down, have a family. And basically, 20 years later, everything comes back to bite him. Everything comes back into his life in a major way. Um, love that series. It's only 24 issues in, um, and it's still ongoing by Robert Kirkman with art by Chris Somney, who absolutely steals the show. The art steals the show. The coloring as well. Yeah, shout um, out to the homie Matt Wilson on the colors. That's my guy. Yes. So uh, that's one. Uh, Skyward. Skyward is one of those series that to me doesn't quite stick the landing as well as I would have hoped it would. But, um, this is this world where gravity just turns off one day and, uh, our character is a young lead. Um, and basically in the event that, you know, turned gravity, uh, off. Her mom is killed and her dad is traumatized. And so she's the only one who's really adjusted to this world, uh, you know, where you basically can live in the sky. Um, I love different things where it's, 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 it's inverse of our world in a lot of ways, right? Like the rich people, they don't live in the penthouse. They live closer to the ground. And like, that's like the sign of success and stuff like that. Um, but anyway, she's got to sort of uncover this conspiracy to, uh, control the world's resources while trying to maybe turn gravity back on. Like I said, I feel like it doesn't really stick the landing, but it's a fun 15 issues. The art and colors are great in that as well. That's a heck of a pun there. Uh, it doesn't stick the landing. <laughs> and I wasn't even, that was not intentional at all. You're a poet and you didn't um, know it. <laughs> right. Um, and you know, what's crazy. I don't, there are indies that I've read, but I don't have collected in hardcover, so they slip in my mind. Um, right now, as far as licensed properties are concerned, I am loving Darkwing Duck from Dynamite Entertainment. Nice. It is, it's everything you remember about Darkwing Duck, and it's, it's there. Uh, Reckless, Brubaker, Sean Phillips, uh, 
I talked about it already. But again, if you grew up, like Skip said, watching those TV serials where it's like you don't you don't need to like be on episode four and then watch episode five. Like it's whatever. Just just sit down and be entertained. That's what Reckless is. Um, I will say Reckless uh, sort of tap dances on the edge of my uh, PG to PG-13 sensibilities. Like it, it definitely ventures into rated R at times, um, but it's not gratuitous. So, um, so it, it, it works, but just be warned. I know typically I try to keep things super family friendly, so I don't want anybody picking up a book on my recommendation just off of my good name. And then, you know, got to explain stuff to little kids. Um, so, so hey, that's Timmy, that. how'd you like reckless? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I hope Timmy doesn't read reckless. Um, and that that's probably where I'll stop, um, on Indies. Um, what I find is that I can read Indies just fine, but, they tend to end, they have endings. And so I find that it's, for me, it's better to just grab them in trade as opposed to grabbing them off the shelf um, in periodical format. How do you, do? You, would you agree? How do you typically digest them? Um, I, give my, I give myself a little bit of room uh, there. So if it's creators that I know and I love, then I'm almost always grabbing the floppies. Okay. Because I just know that matters to the publisher. So gotcha. um, so I'm grabbing the floppies. Um, if I love it that much, if they really stuck the landing and all that good stuff, I'm, I'm buying the trade too. Like I'm going to go ahead and mm. I'm going to get it in just about every iteration. Um, if it's a, an indie story that sounds good, sounds in, or at least sounds interesting, but um, not by a creator I'm familiar with or, you know, or if the comics budget's a little tight, I'll definitely allow it to go to trade. Um, mm. That's just fine. But I'm also a big digital reader. So if it happens to be from Image Comics, um, it's not uncommon for me to go ahead and just wait the 30 days until it uh, gets the, the they they will do a 50 percent discount on most mm. books after 30 days. So if the book is a month old, instead of paying your three ninety nine, you can pay one ninety nine. If you got Comicsology, you pay your one seventy nine and yeah. I get the book like that. So. Um, you know, I, I definitely work every every angle. Of course, you know, I I'll keep an eye on um, in stock trades. We you know we know to mm. do that. We know you know organic price books. You know if it if it's going to be a bigger book or something like that, big old collected edition Omni, anything like that. So yeah, I, you know I I give myself some angles to work when it comes to the indies. But if it's yeah if it's like Ice Cream Man, my favorite current indie ongoing, like I'm getting every every floppy. I'm getting like all the variants. Uh, yeah. I'm getting at it like that. Word, word. And it's funny. I'm scrolling through my comicsology now and just remembering all these different series. I'm like, oh, snap. I forgot I read that, but that was dope. Um, and funny enough, I just took advantage of that image deal. I grabbed uh, No One, number one for 179 earlier today. Right on. Um, but Bitter Root from Image Comics. Um, I love it. It's uh, basically it's this family of monster hunters living in Harlem. And the series is set between like Harlem and South Carolina. They're 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 hunting these monsters and the monsters are like physical manifestations of racism and people being controlled by their, you know, most base 
instincts and, and, and stuff. And every time I explain the premise, it sounds preachy, but the way it's executed is just so good, honestly. Um, and then let's see another one that I'll recommend public domain by Chip Zdarsky. I've read of the entire five issues. It is very much a commentary on, uh, the comic book industry and, and how it's morphed into the entertainment industry and how creators very much get left behind. Um, even as pop culture becomes like, you know, this massive multi-billion dollar franchise and industry. Um, and then this one, I don't even know if it counts as an India. Well, it's not a big two book, but Neverlanders is a, a young adult graphic novel written by Tom Taylor with art by John. I'm going to butcher his last name, but oh no, maybe not. Sama, Samariva, Samariva. Okay. Um, but, uh, it's a story. It's, it's a, it's a cool twist on the Peter Pan story. Um, but I like books with young leads. Um, and so this lo- young lady named B, uh, leads a found family on this excursion through Neverland, basically. And it's really dope. The art's really good. Only knock that I have is the book is, it's a, it's a, it's a young reader book. So it's small. It kind of telegraphs its moves, but you enjoy it either way. Or I enjoyed it still mostly. Because of the art. Um, but it's really well paced as well. So look, I'm trying to be respectful of my brother's time here. We've got you a bunch of recommendations to get started with. Um, the, I guess the moral to this episode is if you've been afraid to try indie comics, don't be. There is something for literally everyone. If you're into horror, there's horror. If you're into detective stories, there's plenty of those. If you're into slice of life, you just want to see people, you know, playing the Sims. They got that too. There's even books about people that play tabletop games. Like there's so many different stories and different types of stories. Uh, and no matter what you like, you can probably find a comic for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Comment comics that comment on comics are some of my, my favorite. I'm reading a story right now. That's literally about a writer who's a fraud, but went into the creative world and they thought he was a good writer, a different writer, and they follow him wholeheartedly. And they're following wow. a fraud. Like it's like it sounds it's, like the plot to a bug's life. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You un- you uncorked it. <laughs> Exposed. <laughs> um, but no, I just I love comedy. And I think, you know, I think one of the biggest things that that I found out and I think other people will find out is, you know, you you may be a, a capes lover, but if you get into some indies, I think you'll begin to find out that you're not just a capes lover, that you're a whole comic book lover. Like there's romance yeah. comics out there that I've read. There's war comics out there. There's we talked about the noir. We talked about the mystery. We talked about the sci-fi. There's literary comics out there. There's documentary comics out there. But you know, bi- biographical. There's so many different types of stories, historical stories, so many different mm-hmm. types of things. I think you will be surprised to find out that you don't just love superheroes, that you love comics as a whole. So that's the question. Do, do you just love Capes comics, which is nothing wrong with that? Or do maybe you love 
comics as a whole. Go find that out. Come back. Let us know what you found. For sure. So I'm going to give you guys some homework. Um, if you've been looking to venture into indie comics, you know, obviously you don't want to go spending a ton of money. What I would recommend, go to comicsology.com and try out their Comixology Unlimited service. Uh, Comixology, uh, obviously owned by Amazon, they do a good job of collecting at least the first three to four issues of a ton of different indie series. Amazon will get you though. There's almost always going to be an issue or two that you'll have to buy if you want the full story. Um, but that's a great way because you can sort them by publishers. So you can just look at the image comics or the boom comics or whatever. If you pay the, I think it's, it's either seven ninety nine or eight ninety nine a month for comiXology unlimited. You can borrow up to 50 titles at a time, read them on your phone or your tablet or what have you, um, you pay that seven dollars. You'll spend. You'll you'll get your money's worth in the thirty days that you have it. You can decide if you want to keep going. I use that a lot to catch up on or to try out indie series that everybody lauds and and says are great, but that I never heard of. Um, and you know, I, I say I save a lot of money that way. So that'd be my recommendation to you. Um, but look, man, I appreciate. First, I appreciate you, Skip, uh, for taking time to walk me through this uh, indie comics landscape, but also for our listeners. And I thank you guys who are listening, uh, whether you're watching this on YouTube. Or I don't think this one will be on YouTube, uh, but however you find out about the podcast, I appreciate you listening, sharing. Um, I guess I'll do the podcast host thing and ask you to leave a rating, a review in Spotify or iTunes or wherever you're listening to this. It'll just help us get seen or heard a little bit more. And um, until next time, man, thank you so much uh, for listening. I hope you stay awesome. Hope you're enjoying yourself and I hope you're reading something dope. Peace. <laughs>